0: It is week number two in our study called Simple Prayers. And uh, it is our belief that this new year, 2024, you can learn to pray four simple prayers that will be very impactful in your life. Now, as we mentioned last week, these simple abbreviated prayers are not meant to replace whatever your regular prayer routines look like. We all believe we need dedicated deeper disciplined prayer times in our life. But these simple prayers are shorter. They're abbreviated. They're simple. And they help us have a prepared response so that when something is happening in real time, like like we're able to pray for it. We don't have to retreat to our prayer closet. Like right there, we can pray for that certain situation with our simple prayer. Last week, we looked at our first simple prayer and that is a prayer for protection here's what we learned in that prayer how to pray that hedge of protection around us god put a hedge of protection around whatever it is that we feel is needing his protection maybe that's your health your family your finances your home marriage your school your nation even like, like put a prayer protection around your your mind like whatever you feel is vulnerable you can call out to the Lord for his protection. Today, we're going to learn our second simple prayer. And I think if you commit to praying this one regularly, it could really have a high level of impact in your life this year. In fact, I think by the time you get to the end of the year in December, you could look back at this year because of what you pray, this simple prayer, and say, this is the most impactful year in my spiritual life. So it's a powerful prayer. But it's also a dangerous prayer. It's a risky prayer. Kind of in the same way that it's dangerous to pray for patience. Anybody ever prayed for patience and then you regretted it? Because patience is one of those things that God has to develop in your life. You can call out to the Lord, God, make me more patient with my family. Make me more patient with the people at school or at work. Make me more patient with people that are on the opposite end of the political persuasion than me. When you ask God to make you patient, here's what he has to do. He can't airdrop patience into your life. He's got to plan it and he's got to cultivate it. He's got to fertilize it. He's got to nurture it so that that fruit of patience can be born in your life. There's no instant patience. It has to be matured. It has to be grown and developed. So some of you prayed for patience, and you got the girlfriend you got because that's God's blessing to you to help you work on your patience. Or maybe you prayed for patience and like the person driving in front of you is the slowest person on the planet. And like it's causing you to have to grow some patience. Or maybe the person working next to you like cannot tell a story in under 20 minutes. And you're like, man, land the plane. Come on. Let's get beyond this story. Patience. Like patience has to be grown in us. So it's a risky prayer. It's a dangerous prayer. In the same way, our prayer today kind of has that type of riskiness to it. So how you feeling? A little anxious? A little worried about this one? Or are you like, bring it on? Okay. All right, here we go. Our our second simple prayer is a prayer of availability. A prayer of availability. That prayer goes something like this: Lord, I'm listening and I'm available. Lord, I'm listening, and I'm available. Say that out loud with me. Lord, I'm listening, and I'm available. That's an important prayer to remember and pray because there's a myth out there that goes something like this. God uses super-duper people to do super-duper things because they're super-duper. Actually, nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, God seems to go out of his way sometimes to choose the most unexpected people to do things for him. This becomes incredibly clear from a passage of Scripture found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 where it says this, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Notice he doesn't say none of you, but few of you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. We choose people based upon ability, but God doesn't do that. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, the Lord doesn't see things. The way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. If we want something done, we start looking for people who are powerful and capable, but God looks for the weak and the incapable so that He can showcase His power and His ability through weakness. He says, It's not by might nor by power, that the things God prompts people to do gets done. Instead, look, it is by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. God isn't dependent on anyone's ability. He's only interested in their availability. The recently retired dean of theology at the University of Alabama Nick Saban, says the greatest ability is availability. He learned in coaching that you could take a player with five-star ability, bring him on the team, but if he's not available to be coached and he's not available to be put in a role that the coach thinks is best for the team, then he'll never get on the field. Like the best ability is availability, and we can learn today to pray a prayer of availability. Lord, I'm listening, and I'm available. And if we mean that prayer, listen, our availability will lead to great things. A lot of people in the Bible that we admire who accomplish meaningful things, but when the Lord called them, they were short on ability, but long on availability. Let me give you one of those. There's a man called Amos in the Old Testament. He was a prophet used by God to say some powerful things That inspired people and motivated people. In fact, on the MLK Monument in Washington, D.C., there's a phrase that's engraved on this memorial that recognizes justice. Look what it says runs down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. Like that expression was adopted by Dr. King and used in so many speeches that people just assume that he is the originator of that comment, that let justice, come on, let justice roll like water, like a mighty stream. But in fact, that quotation is from the Bible, Amos chapter 5. Amos is the one who originally said, let justice roll like the water's. Now, when Amos kind of came up with that expression, there was nothing about him that was a a person that you would think could come up with terminology so moving and so inspiring that generations later, like our country, could be impacted to drop some of its racism just simply on the call to let justice roll like a mighty stream. He's not the person you would ever pick to say something like that. In fact, Amos, describing himself, said this, I'm not a professional prophet, and I was never trained to be one. I'm just a shepherd, and I take care of sycamore fig trees. This expression of a caretaker to take care of In Hebrew, that is the word pinch. Pinch. There were people that were such unskilled in farming labor that the only job that they could be given on the farm was to walk around and pinch figs in hope that the bruising of the fig would speed up its maturation. And so Amos admits, like I'm such an unskilled farmer. They won't let me around sharp objects. They won't let me plant. They won't let me fertilize. They won't let me harvest. Like the only thing I can do is just pinch figs in hope that it speeds up their development. I'm not able. I don't have a lot of ability but notice it was his availability that allowed God to use him in powerful ways, so much so that his words spoken thousands of years ago are now engraved on taxpayer property in Washington, D.C. But God can use you if you are available. Bob Goff, leadership expert, says it this way, God often uses the least qualified, but most available people to get things done. I want to encourage you this year to adopt in your prayer life a simple prayer. Lord, I'm listening and I'm available. Take your Bible, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. I want you to see one of these prayers in action. Isaiah chapter 6, if you've got your old school Bible, You can turn to the front table of contents. It'll give you a listing of the books of the Bible. Isaiah will have a page number beside it. You can turn right to it. Isaiah chapter 6 for today. Now, 21 days of fasting and focus has been our devotion as a staff team to begin this year. That means we're just dialing in, asking the Lord in particular ways to be with us and to kind of make ourselves available to him in any way that he wants to use us in this year. And I mentioned last week, if you would like to join us, we want to invite you to do that. So there's resources on our homepage. There's a little place where you can click and there's PDF documents that will help you know like the the what and the why and the how of participating in something like this. And even though they're now at 14 days left, you can jump in and And be a part of it with these last two weeks. And then we're going to close out this 21 days of focus with a pursuit night. A night of worship and praise and prayer. And that will be two weeks uh, from today on the 28th. And we would certainly want you to be a part of that time of celebration, praise, and prayer. All right? So now, as we're thinking about this prayer of availability, as you cultivate... Your walk with the Lord, and I'm not talking about just a, a Sunday churchianity. I'm talking about having a desire that you want to walk with the Lord. When you, when you when you have that longing to do that and you pursue God and you want to walk with God, one of the things that happens is you, you have to have this relationship of trust. Uh, a relationship and walk with God has to be built on trust. And in that trust dynamic, here's what's going to happen is God is going to nudge you, he's going to prompt you about some opportunities to serve him. And those promptings that come from the Lord are stirrings that happen inside of you. Sometimes that stirring will come in the form of a thought. Or sometimes you'll just have a sense Almost like a feeling like God is giving me something to do or something to say or something to give. Now, We could spend the rest of the message, quite honestly, just learning how to vet these promptings. But let me, let me just assume that many or most of us have had those moments where you've just felt an impression like God is speaking to you and giving you something for you to do. The scripture talks about deep calls unto deep. The Lord communicates with us in this way so that our spirit person, our core person, like God breathes on our core person. He speaks to us, he nudges us, he prompts us. Now, sometimes those promptings happen and we 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 feel like God is saying to do something that we weren't even thinking about doing. Like that thought couldn't have originated with us because I wasn't even thinking that. I wasn't even considering that. Sometimes even these promptings happen and it's something to do that you don't want to do. Like it's the Lord nudging you. It's his still small voice speaking to you. Now once you have one of those promptings, listen, you're on the clock because now you've got to decide are you available to do it or not a lot of times our availability comes with a little bit of question do i have the ability to do that do i have the time to do that like, do i have the re- the resources to get that done ability is sometimes defined as talent or skill Expertise, competence, proficiency, often our initial response to God's prompting is is to factor in our ability first, but availability is our readiness to put God first. To have a willingness about us to do, to say, to give, whatever it is that he prompts us to do. I'm listening and I'm available. Now here's some helpful ideas on how to increase our availability. One is to understand that availability should have like no strings attached obedience to God. Sometimes when God prompts us, we want more details. Like, how's this going to get done? When am I supposed to do that by? Do I get reimbursed for this? We, We start asking these kind of questions. But the availability that God is looking for is more of a blank, check approach where you just are willing and trusting God and when he nudges you, when he prompts you, you're willing to do whatever it is, no strings attached. Here's a second way we can increase our availability. That's when we know that availability is offering to God everything that we are and that we have for him to use. Now while it, listen our abilities while they're unnecessary that does not mean that they are unimportant. Like God wants to take all that you are and use that. And you've got talents and you've got spiritual gifts and you've got training and you've got experiences that you can draw on. God will take all of that and use it as an asset to your availability. If you offer him all that you are and all that you have for him to use. Here's a third thing to help you increase your availability. And that is to understand the best way sometimes to think about availability is just showing up. Don't have to overcomplicate it. Availability is just showing up. Before picking his apostles, Jesus was walking the shore of the Sea of Galilee and the Bible tells us he saw at the water's edge two boats. Look at that. How many boats? Two boats. Everybody say two boats. He sees two boats left there by fishermen who are washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, who is also known as Peter, Simon Peter, and asked him to push out a little from shore. Now, when Jesus asked Peter to row his boat out, it was after a long overnight expedition of fishing where Peter didn't catch anything. How many of you know, as a fisherman, it would be a little frustrating to spend all night and not catch a thing? So Peter has every right to like pass on this invitation of Jesus to get back in the boat and row it out from the shore. But instead, Peter shows up. Now, if he hadn't shown up, Jesus would have had to get in the other boat. Who owned the other boat? We don't know. But one thing we do know is one of the most popular Hebrew names at the time of Jesus was Leor. Leor. Anybody ever heard of that? Leor. So the boat could have belonged to Leor. Instead of reading about Saint Peter, (laughs) we'd have read about Saint Leor. Leor's Basilica doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? But think about for a moment, all of the things about history that have to be rewritten if people don't show up. There can be some Leors. (laughs) Billy Graham. Now that's a name you know. One of the greatest evangelists Evers shared the gospel with more people than any human being ever has. Saw more people come to Christ than any other missionary or evangelist. But Billy details in his autobiography that he believed with all of his heart he was not God's first choice to be an evangelist to the nation's even tells the name of the person in his book that he believed was God's first pick, but that guy didn't show up. And Billy did, and the rest is history. I want to encourage you as you step into this new year with all the opportunities that are in front of you, man, don't miss a thing that God has for you because you are praying a prayer of availability. Lord, I'm listening and I'm available. Now, Isaiah chapter 6, this details for us the prophet Isaiah's availability. Verse 1 begins by telling us, It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. This description of God with a lofty throne and a, a long robe is a, is a picture. It's a symbol of authority and power added to this image of God in an authoritative presence, we have angelic beings surrounding him, serving his dominion. Look at verse 2. Attending him were mighty seraphim. That's a word for angels with each having six wings. Verse 3, they were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Verse 5 gives us Isaiah's reaction to being in the presence of God's holy, holy presence. Verse 5, then I said, it's all over. <laughs> I'm doomed. For I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips. And I live among a people with filthy lips. Theologians don't quite know what to make of that admission. Admission. Was he saying, man, I'm kind of got a crude mouth. I tell dirty jokes. I'm known to say a cuss word. Like, like what does it mean that I have filthy lips? Or is it more like I'm just a person that has an ordinary life just like anybody else is like? Nobody really knows. But that's his perspective. Like, I'm not worthy. I've got filthy lips, yet I've seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Look at the response to Isaiah's humble confession, verse 6. One of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He Touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Verse 8 is the crescendo to this vision. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? Us could be a reference to the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But most believe it's more of a a heaven collective who will go on behalf of all of heaven. So it's kind of ramping up the, the anticipation of a response to this question. A lot is riding on it. And Isaiah said, look at it. Here's his prayer of availability. Here I am. Send me. Here I am, I'm available, send me. Now his prayer of availability is remarkable when you consider what he confessed. I got a dirty mouth. And surely there's someone else that has better gifting, ability, they're more equipped, Like what we expect him to say is, send somebody else. Don't send me. And yet he offers a prayer of availability. I'm listening. I'm available. In an article titled, Being Available to God, author Tricia Goyer details some of her life choices, bad life choices, where she reaped some bad consequences in her life. But she writes this, God didn't see me as a statistic. Look at that. God didn't see me as a statistic. In fact, he saw me as a person who could help others overcome the same challenges. I like how Rick Warren puts it, no matter where you've been, what you've done, God can still use you to make a difference. Let me say it this way. Whatever it is that has seemed to disqualify you might be the very thing that qualifies you to be used by God if you are available. And let me encourage you with this. God empowers the available. When that prompting happens... When that nudge from the Lord happens, when he gives you something to do, it's not on the basis of your ability that you will do it. You don't don't have to be qualified. Why? Because God is able. Like God can provide you everything that you need to do what he prompts you to do. His ability is just simply waiting for our availability. So are you available? Now, you're here (laughs) 1130 on Polar Vortex Sunday. That says something about you. Like, I don't think anybody here would say, hey, I'd like to be the kind of person that when God needs me or wants me to do something, that I step back. That's not you. You want to step up you want to be available to the Lord. So here's some here's some closing ideas to help us be better prepared and available and ready when God prompts us. Here's the first thing. Is I want you to pray The prayer of availability. Don't write that down in your notes. Stick it in your Bible and not bring it back out. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray the prayer of availability. It is so easy. Lord, I'm listening and I'm available. Lord, I'm listening and I'm available. You need to pray that prayer. Begin your morning for the next few days. Begin your morning by just, as soon as you wake up, just look up and just say, Lord, I'm listening, and I'm available. When you get in your car to do your commute, you just tell the Lord, Lord, I'm listening, and I'm available. You pray that prayer of availability. Here's what it'll do. When you pray that prayer, it's going to make you more sensitive and aware of God's voice so that when he nudges you, you're going to be more perceptive. You're going to sense it. I've been asking him. I'm listening, and I'm available, and now I'm hearing him. I'm sensing him. I'm feeling his nudges in my life. So first of all, pray the prayer of availability. Secondly, make a habit of practicing. Availability. What does that mean? That means whenever you get a nudge, do it. Do it. Now, a common hesitation that we all experience when we get prompted by the Lord. Was that me? Did did, did I just come up with that thought? Was that the Lord? Was that me? Was that the Lord? Was that the devil? Was that the devil? My wife, a few years ago, having that same kind of dilemma, trying to figure out, man, is this the Lord? Is it not the Lord? She said, I finally decided, man, the devil's not going to tempt me to do something good. So if I feel tempted to do good, that's the Lord tempting me, and I'm just going to follow that invitation to do that thing. Practice. Make a habit of practicing availability. And then here's the third and final one. Find much peace in God's grace to help with our availability. Find a lot of peace in God's grace to help with our availability. Sometimes what paralyzes us from being available is the concern that we're going to mess up in doing whatever it is that God nudges for us to do. Like, I, I, I feel that that's the Lord. I think he wants me to say this, but I, I, just, I don't want to mess it up. So pick somebody else. I want to encourage you to find peace in God's grace to help us with our availability. Lord, I'm willing. I'm listening. I'm able. I'm available. Here, pick me. Now trusting his grace in your availability. Let me give you a biblical reference of that. Noah. Ever heard that name before? Noah. Noah. What did Noah do in the Bible? Built an ark. Built a big old boat. God gave him instructions on building a big boat. A flood was coming. Build a boat where you can survive the coming flood. Build a big boat. God gave him instructions on how to build it. But... He had to build that boat with the tools that he had available to him. He didn't have precision power tools that he could utilize. These are all hand tools that he had to use to create the wood to build the boat. He had to go cut down trees, and from trees, he had to carve out the lumber to build the boat. How many of you know that it didn't look like Lowe's? Like you go down and buy lumber at Lowe's where it's all precision cut and polished and looks pretty. It didn't look like that at all. These are rough-hewn boards that were handmade that he had to build the boat with. And then nails. Where in the world did he get nails? He didn't go to Home Depot to get his nails. He had to make nails and no telling what those nails looked like. But he did the best that he could to build the boat that God had prescribed for him to build. This was the nudge. This was the the voice of the Lord speaking, do this, build a boat. And he built the boat. Don't think in your mind that it looks like that boat that's parked in Kentucky at the you know the Ark exhibit because that thing has got you know modern lumber and modern technology and it's slick and it's polished. That didn't look like his boat at all. But look what the Lord told him to do. When you get finished, waterproof it with tar inside and out. Now the Hebrew language has a limited vocabulary. And so in the Old Testament, there's a little over 8,000 words that are used. Most of those words are used multiple times for different things. Some of them as much as 50 different usages of the same word. So when God tells Noah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to build a boat and, and he does the best that he can, but you know, he's got a Hand tools. He didn't have polished things. He puts it together and man, it's a mess. Cover it with tar, pitch, inside and out. The word tar in Hebrew is the same word for grace, it's the same word for mercy. Take what I nudge you to do and do your best. Put it together. Build your boat. And when you're done, cover it with grace inside and out. And it'll float. Not because of your ability. Because of your availability and the grace of God that will empower what you're available to do. Come on, somebody. God's going to nudge you. Probably before the day is over, He's going to nudge you. All you got to do, you don't have to be able, you just got to be available to do whatever He leads you to do. Stand with me. I'm excited about this year because when I look around this room, man, if this many people are praying to the Lord, hey, I'm available, I'm available. It's amazing to think of the number of things that God will accomplish through you. In fact, it is his, it is his design for you to do that. There's, an, there's a scripture in the Bible that says we have been created in Christ Jesus so that we could do the good things God had in mind for us to do from a long time ago. So he's got good nudges. He's going to give you promptings that he's going to give you. But you're going to be on the clock. Are you available?